0: The conversation at the moment, right now, as we take a snapshot mm-hmm. of the college football landscape, the conversation between 6, 7, and 8 needs to be a real one because Oregon's getting propped up by a big win against a very average Utah team. Welcome in. It's a Wednesday edition or Tuesday night edition of Always College Football. We appreciate you being here. It means a lot that you guys been coming from all over the country all over the world to listen to our podcast and to talk some college football with us we love the sport and we are always going to support what we think is in the best interest of the sport and right now i am very disappointed with the committee uh it's not oregon's fault it's not texas fault it's not ohio state's fault nobody's bad it's just the committee needs to give us some consistency, and I'll explain why here in just a minute. I'm Greg McElroy, and like I said already, if you could just take a minute to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast, it'd mean a lot to us. We really, really appreciate the following that we've been able to build up here over the past year, and change. We have a lot that we need to get to. We'll go through the committee ranking. We're gonna have Danny Cannell on the show as well. Danny is a good friend of mine. Um, we don't always see eye to eye. Uh, <laughs> we seldom do, but he's he's a guy that I appreciate. Um, very much, and I'm very much looking forward to having him on the show tonight. Uh, he does a great job on the Cover 3 podcast, which is one of my favorites to listen to. And, and I also enjoy listening to him and Dusty Dvorak uh, in the morning as well on Sirius XM Channel 84. So we'll visit with Danny, and then we'll do what I love and what I hate, and of course break down the rankings. So let's get it kicked off with what we make of the College Football Playoff Committee rankings for Week 2. All right, here we are. We have the official reaction to week two of the college football playoff committee rankings. Now, um, a lot of people taking shots at me on social media saying that I'm mad about Oregon being six. No, I love Oregon. And I put out my top six on Monday's show. And how do I have them? I have Michigan one. I have Oregon six. I have Georgia two. I have Florida State three. I have uh, Washington four or whatever it is. Five, I have Ohio State. And then I have Oregon. Why? Because my rankings are about the eye test. I have told you out in front, here's how I see them. Here's who I think are the six best, okay? That's the eye test. But the committee is not giving me that. The committee is telling me that Ohio State is team number one. And why is Ohio State team number one? Ohio State is team number one because of their resume. And don't use use my words. Don't use my You know, and now that's that's what they've acknowledged, that Ohio State has the best resume and to which I will not push back. I can live with that. Where I have a problem is that Ohio State's one off of resume. Then who should be two? It should be Florida State because they have the second best resume. Who should be number three? Well, it should probably be Washington. They have a really good win against USC. They have a really good win against Oregon. They might even be able to make a case for number two if we're going off resume alone, but we're not. We're picking and choosing our spots where it's resume for some teams and it's eye test for others. And that bothers me. And then a lot of people, as I kind of got in a bit of a debate with the rest of the guys at the table, and I love those guys and I respect those guys very much. But this this sport means a lot to me. And my professionalism means a lot to me. And I'm not owned by the New York Times. And I'm certainly not owned by the Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, I went to Alabama. I'm a proud graduate and alumnus of the university. I will always be proud to be associated with Alabama. And I'll always be proud to have won a national championship as their starting quarterback. But I remove myself in my analysis when I evaluate Alabama. Want to know why? Because the sport is too important for biases to find their way in. And anyone that's watched me in the past knows that I do not show bias whatsoever. I call it how I see it. And that's the way it's going to be tonight. That's the way it's going to be going forward. So for any professional journalist that works for the New York Times decides to, to declare otherwise, then by all means, if I'm pandering or if I'm, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just trying to plant the seed for Alabama again. No, here's how it should go. If Ohio State, and this is what the committee told me, this is not my rankings, it's the committee's rankings. If Ohio State is one, why? resume. Perfect. I can live with that. Good with that. Then it shouldn't be Georgia at two because their resume right now is not as good as some of the teams that are currently behind them. It really shouldn't be Michigan at three because their resume is really poor, really poor when taking all that into account. Now, the I test is great. I love them. I have them as my number one team, but that's not the committee's rankings. These are the committee's rankings. At number four, we have Florida State. I'm fine with that. It is what it is. I, I think it's totally backwards because you're valuing different things at different places, but that's fine. Washington's at five. But if Ohio State is the number one team based on resume, then how is Oregon the number one one loss team right now? And this is not a shot at Oregon. I love Oregon. I did their game a couple of weeks ago, came away remarkably impressed. And anyone that's watched me listen or listened to me on this show or any other that I've done in the last three or four months, I love what they can do, man. They're awesome. That's a really fun team to watch. I think they're really well coached. I think they have excellent personnel offensively. I think they're really good at the line of scrimmage. I love all those things, but their resume does not deserve the number six ranking. Now, at season's end, it might. If they go and they take care of SC, they beat Oregon State, who's clearly well-respected amongst the committee, they take care of those teams, they beat Washington in the rematch, then their resume then will leap up significantly, and I totally support that. But right now, they've beaten one team with a winning record. One one, and that was Utah. I'm not taking anything against Utah, but I look at Texas's resume and Texas has beaten five teams with a winning record, five. So here's my issue. If Texas has beaten five and we're valuing the resume, then how is Texas with the best one loss team resume? How are they not sitting in the number six spot? Texas has wins at Alabama against five and four BYU. Against seven and two Kansas, and it wasn't competitive. Against six and three Wyoming, and then against six and three Kansas State. You're gonna say, well, they didn't look good against Kansas State. Well, they didn't have the luxury of playing Cal. If Texas played Cal, maybe the outcome would have looked a little different. Okay. Texas should be the highest ranked one loss team. And then if we're going next based on resume, this is the committee's rankings. Remember, not mine, the committee's. If we're going next based on resume, it should be Alabama in front of Oregon. Not because Oregon isn't good, but because Alabama has a stronger resume. Alabama has a win against number nine, Ole Miss. They've beaten Texas AM, who's five and four. They've beaten Tennessee, who's ranked in the top 15 at seven and two, and they've beaten LSU, who's in the top 20. So Alabama has four wins against teams with winning records. So I'm not making a, a, a take the Alabama alumnus hat off. I'm just calling it how I see it. Their resume is stronger than Oregon's. It is. And Oregon's excellent. I love them. But if we're going to use resume to differentiate the undefeateds, why are we not using resume to differentiate the one loss teams? As far as the rest of the rankings is fine. I I can live with all of it. Ole Miss at nine, Penn State at 10, totally good with that. Louisville at 11, I can totally live with that. They look great. All those teams, I think, are within striking distance of the college football playoff. And then there's some other important games of note here because Tennessee's sitting there at number 13. They're on the schedule on the road for Georgia. That could benefit Georgia's resume down the road. Uh, You obviously have Missouri still sitting in the top 14. That's a good win for Georgia. Ohio State has the win against Penn State. And maybe that Penn State win still looks good. If they beat Michigan this week, that's certainly possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility. So where Penn State's ranked is a very, very important. Where Utah's ranked is really important because Utah's number 18. And right now that is by far Oregon's best win. At the moment, where Oregon State is currently is also very important. They're sitting at number 12. That's super important because that's who Oregon plays in the final week of the regular season. So, a lot of other teams that are factoring in here. Notre Dame's of key importance here because they're at number 20, still in the top 20, down five spots in the rankings, but still in the top 20. But they can benefit multiple teams' cases. They can benefit Louisville's case. They can benefit Ohio State's case. And not that Clemson's going to make a case, but just saying they're benefiting other teams because that's still according to the committee, is a pretty good win. LSU sitting at 19. That benefits Alabama's case. That benefits Ole Miss's case. and That benefits Florida State's case. So there are other teams that are still factored in here, but they're not necessarily within striking distance of the playoffs. So that's all I'm asking for. And for those that are going to paint me as a homer or a guy that has some agenda, I don't have an agenda. I swear to you. I do not. I just want what's best for college football. And I want us to have a ranking that is consistent and, and it's digestible and it makes sense. And that's that's all I'm looking for. And I don't like this picking and choosing. Well, I think this team's better and this team, this team's resume is better. So let's put them there. And just tell me if it's on resume, great. If it's on eye test it's great. I personally would do mine on eye test That's the way I'd roll. But I've given you that. And my eye test is pretty clear. I think Michigan's the best. I think Georgia's too, and so on and so forth. So that's my frustration with it. And a lot of people taking shots at my character i don't care uh, i'm gonna call it how i see it today i'm gonna call it the way i see it yesterday i'm gonna call it the way i see it moving forward so looking forward to my visit with danny cannell because i have a feeling we'll have a few things to spar about we welcome in He's danny Canelli. does a great job on the cover three podcast one of my favorites to go to on the cbs podcast network i absolutely love that show with chip and with and with all those guys man you guys with fornelli and uh and obviously, uh, your other Florida State brethren, uh, love what you guys, But Elliot, I apologize for blank and I'm very fed up right now and I know you, you know why. Um, but he also does an amazing job on SiriusXM Channel 84 alongside uh, Dusty Dvorak on Dusty and Danny in the morning. DK, what's going on, my friend?
1: What's up, man? It's great to be on with you. You know, a little glimpse behind the scenes when he asked me to come on, I think both you and I were worried that maybe there was going to be a shakeup and maybe Florida State was going to drop, and yet we, <laughs> we saw a lot of teams hold serve. I am actually shocked that Florida State didn't drop. I actually thought they would because, I mean, a win over USC at the Coliseum is more impressive than a win at Pitt, which was okay. So I'm actually surprised that there wasn't a little more shake-up, but I love the fire that
0: I saw from you tonight. I liked it. Well, here's my frustration, DK, and look, I – I would, if I were to do the rankings top to bottom, I think you would probably do the same thing. I would go off. I test, I would say, okay, I think Michigan's number one. I think Michigan's one. I think Georgia's two. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Washington or Florida state kind of three, a three B. and I think at five, I'd, I'd probably have Ohio state because I don't think they've really looked the part. Their resume is good, but I would go off. I test. and I actually would have Oregon at six as I test, but that's how I do my rankings. But with the committee, they're telling me resume. Resume, resume, resume. And then they use eye test for two and three. And they go back to resume for four and five. And then they do eye test for six, seven, and eight. And I I don't understand how they can justify going back and forth as they see fit. So it was frustrating to me. I'm not going to lie. How'd you feel? Uh, So that is the beautiful sickness of the college football selection
1: process, right? I mean, they have these four criteria. We even haven't got to the end of the season when they can throw in, oh yeah, we can value conference championships. We can value head-to-head matchups, like the more information we get, the more convoluted it becomes. I have for 10 years, because we're in the 10th year of this, I've been frustrated with the process, the way it plays out. So I totally agree with you. I I wish they would pick one. And here's, I think, what's most frustrating, because not only is it convoluted and it's confusing, and you can explain any pick any way you want to. Like you can use, and there's always the eye test bailout. I think the committee can use that. There's always a resume they could lean on. There's just different criteria they could use. But because of the turnover on the committee, you know, every two or three years, we see new members. So we see new people in there with their voices resonating. It is almost impossible to get a bead on what they are looking for year to year and it's incredibly frustrating for I think fans for analysts that watch and are pretty consistent watching every single year saying well what are they looking for and it's a moving you know the 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 target
0: is always moving every single year. Yeah. And I, I get that because every year is a little different. So I understand that the, that the goalposts have to move a little bit. I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. I mean, we don't have five conferences represented in the top five by accident. You know, that's pretty interesting. And the goalposts might have to move based on conference championships won. Now there's not, we're not going to have, you know, uh, <laughs> we're obviously not going to have five undefeated conference champions. That's, that's not going to happen with the big 12 already bowing out there. But it's, it's just, it's just annoying to me that we kind of pick and choose and, if we're gonna if we're gonna prop up one team in favor of another, I'm fine with that, but just keep that consistent throughout the rankings is is my only gripe. How do you feel at the moment uh, about Ohio State being at one? Let's start there. uh, I don't think anybody anybody
1: on your set, anybody that really follows closely, really believes that Ohio State is the best team in the country right now, so that's like my issue that's exactly what we're talking about <laughs> it so like last right. week, I saw that, and you guys Reese went around after he's like. Who do you think? And I forget—I forget if you said Georgia or Michigan. I and said Michigan. Joe, yeah, yeah, you said Michigan. Somebody said Georgia. Somebody said. I think Kirby was like, "Well, nobody want to play Oregon right now." There were all these teams. Not one person said Ohio State's the best team in the country. So then, yeah. why are they one? You know, like so that—that's the—that's the the beautiful sickness of this this process that we go through because I think they're very flawed. Um, and you know, I was I was watching tonight. And I was a little bit frustrated because Ohio. I thought Georgia would jump Ohio State. I thought they should have been number one because they finally got the resume builder with the win over Missouri. I thought it was more impressive than – like I never felt like Georgia was going to lose the game against Mizzou. Just never felt like – I was like, right, yeah, it was right. a good game, but I was like, they're not – I, I watched – so Rutgers-Ohio State was a CBS game. I was doing some studio work with them, and I was watching it closely. And I was like, oh, Ohio State's going to lose this thing. Like they It are was ugly. What? Deep... It felt terrible. It felt, it felt bad. awful. If Greg Chionder yeah. didn't kick three field goals from inside the five, like <laughs> they might have been down I fourteen. Know. If Gavin Wimsett doesn't throw a ninety-yard pick six going the other way, it's a fourteen-point swing. He had we're a guy open about, earlier
0: too. There's a guy yeah, open. Oh,
1: <laughs> like, oh my all kind of like they, they, oh. Ohio State was on the ropes. Yeah. And the final score, they hit the number. I think they were favored by nineteen. They won by nineteen. It was like, oh. You know, if you just looked at the box score well, they did what they should have done, but I think if you watched it, it was not it was not on par with what George did. And then on top of that, the Notre Dame win lost some of its luster. By the way, a game that Ohio State trailed for 59 minutes and however many seconds that were left in that game when they scored the final uh, you know, t- go ahead score. Right. I'm like but well, like and that that resume builder lost some because Notre Dame lost. So I thought it was pretty clear. I thought Georgia was going to jump them. Um, But like the elder statesman on that show, and since I'm your elder here on this one, (laughs) it usually does. Like You have to remind you, it's going to work itself out. I know. But in saying that, like there is a lot that's at stake with the seating and where you are. And if you can hold, number one, you get to choose where you go. Your fans don't have to travel as far. So even though it does work itself out, there are some advantages to being ranked higher also if you lose maybe you don't drop out like there is something to be said where you get ranked
0: yeah i'm all for it and, and i i think it matters in recruiting i think it matters uh in the perception of the program And having a one next year name is important so i i value it i i've always valued it and we'll continue to as we look at and evaluate michigan georgia and ohio state if we're going to just separate them for a moment because i know your feelings about florida state and i'd like to get your feelings on on Washington, who would you have at number one at the moment? I would have Georgia number one. Yeah. Um, I do think there is something, and I
1: know we're not supposed to do this because it's supposed to be each year in a vacuum. Right. But in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. And Georgia's, I mean, how many games are we talking about now that they've won consecutively? How many 26? games have they won at home? Yeah. I mean, it's
0: something. Like it that. is really
1: impressive what they've done. Um, I know they were tested somewhat earlier this year, South Carolina, Auburn on the road, but they've risen to the occasion. I think Carson Beck quietly is playing as good as any quarterback in the country. Yeah, They've done it without these last couple of games. They've done without Brock Bowers, who's their best weapon, who I think they're going to get back. I just think they deserve to be number one until somebody beats them. I think they deserve to be number one. So I, I again, I, and I do think this weekend, if they beat Ole Miss, like I will be floored. Because um, who does uh, – Ohio State has Michigan State, right? So like, um, Somebody like State, that, yeah. Yeah, so like, I think that would be the leapfrog, and maybe that's what the committee – they're not supposed to look ahead again. But I just think – and then the eye test. Like, I, I, they're not as dominant as they've been in the past, but why? Right. Do, why is that the bar? The bar is this year against every other team, and nobody outside of Michigan has been as impressive as Georgia
0: yeah and i'm i'm 100 with you like i think michigan's the best team they haven't played anybody they'll have their chance this weekend to go on the road to penn state who i think solid you know i think penn state's a really good team are they national championship contender good i don't know we'll find out this weekend but um i think michigan is the best team i think Georgia's the second best team i think ohio state's actually fifth right now that's where i'd have them uh just based on what i've seen because i think florida state And I look last week and people are going, well, they looked bad at Pitt. They were down their top four wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, like, like, you know how hard that is? I mean, with all due respect to Kyle Morlock and, and Jakai Douglas, who are great, um, without Keon Coleman, without Johnny Wilson, without Deuce Span, I mean, that's a significant blow. And uh, I think they, one by three touchdowns on the road in a place where a lot of people's national championship hopes have gone to die. So I came away, shockingly, a little impressed with Florida State this weekend. Jordan Travis, probably
1: coming off his two best games, you know, in each one of them, one game he didn't have Johnny Wilson, didn't have Keon Coleman in one, and then this week didn't have either one of them, and he throws for 350 plus. Like, I, he's all of a sudden, because I thought he needed to take a next step as a passer, and we've already known about his athleticism. It felt like, oh, he just has to get it to the big guys on the outside. Now he was throwing to all these guys who were backups. I thought it was really impressive. The other thing, too, is their defense. I know Pitt's not like holding uh, Pitt to seven is not that impressive. Like you should be able to, but their defense is getting better. And also at the end of the game, Mike Norvell had an opportunity that I think a lot of coaches might have taken advantage of. Clock was running out. They had the ball on the one or two yard line going in and he lets the clock run out with 40 seconds. He could have taken another play and said, let me try to get a score for style points. Didn't. And you know, I I, I don't, I trust the committee says they watch a lot of games. I think they watch the games that matter. Like, I don't think they're dialed in watching every second of Florida state pit, which I'm okay with that. But like, if you just go to the scoreboard, you're like, yeah, it looked a little tough. They could, you know, they were pre- again, were they ever in danger of losing? I don't think so. So, I think Florida State's right where they're going to be. You know, a lot of Florida State fans, I thought they were going to drop. Florida State fans are like, what are we going to – if they went out, they're in. Like, that's all Mike Norvell's messaging to be the team. Don't even pay attention to the rankings. We take care of business we're in.
0: Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I've, especially with Louisville looking good, I mean, that's going to yeah. be a good win in the ACC title game if they get there, assuming they're both, you know, with one loss or less. I, I think they're in great shape. Traeger is awesome. Let me tell you why. At the Home Depot, Saturdays are about two things. Making all your watch party favorites on the Traeger Ironwood XL Grill & Smoker and football. You can serve up wood-fired flavor every time with consistent cooking. And the intuitive touchscreen makes it easy to control the temperature, which stays steady. So you can keep your mind on the score, not on the temperature. And trust me, when your favorite team is on, that will come in clutch. Traeger is all about versatile cooking, so you can cook... Grill, smoke, roast, or even bake, which means you can grill some burgers, smoke a pork butt, roast veggies, or even bake a pie. You heard it right. Desserts can be done on a Traeger. With Wi-Fi or technology, you can be in the kitchen preparing some side dishes or on the couch watching the game while everything is cooking for your game day party by controlling your Traeger from anywhere with the easy-to-use app. And when you're done cooking everything for the game, cleanup is easy thanks to an easily accessible, easy-clean grease and ash keg. So don't wait. Upgrade your Saturday with The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
2: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
1: what do you think the margin is between because I think Georgia and Michigan are kind of on this pedestal by themselves. But in years past, it's been like Georgia and Bama. And then there's like this huge gap. I think what's awesome about this season is that the gap between like one through eight, the margin is really slim between all of them. And I think this may be the most wide open season we've seen where you can go eight deep this late in the season and say, yeah, I could see any one of these teams not only making the playoff, but potentially winning.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I I think that the top eight, um, and this is probably at this state of the season, and we've seen upsets all the time, right? But I remember earlier in the year, I was having this discussion with somebody, I don't recall, I, I, I know I've had it with Kublik, I'm sure I've had it with Dusty via text, I'm sure I've had it with God knows who, everybody. <laughs> I feel like there's like 15 teams that could have won it this year. And granted, you got to get there to have the chance to win it, but I really feel like the depth in the sport is really good right now. And Oregon State, you catch them on the wrong day, you don't want to see that team. LSU, who's sitting at nineteen, you not want to catch them on a bad day. Uh, even Arizona, right now with how they've improved over the course, like how would how would you like to go right now and play a game in Tucson? Like I wouldn't. No. So I think there's a really, I think there's more parity at the top, um, and really, I think any team, say in the top twenty-five, could rally up and maybe get a win against the top 10 team a la Tulane who had Ole Miss on the ropes with their backup quarterback starting until Ole Miss kind of put 10 late points on the board and pulled away so it's I think you're in 100% right in top eight very very close I could see it going in any direction I don't really necessarily have any issues with any of the teams in the top eight I think you could include nine and I think Louisville's real uh, I know, uh, I know. A lot of people are hesitant to get on board because they lost a pit, and I get that. They're without Jawar Jordan. Jamari Thrash got a little banged up in the game, did come back. Uh, they were without the, their top corner, or one of their two top corners. They had two really good ones. They were down one, and that was just a a really funky game that was hard to kind of wrap my head around. So I I can kind of get on board with Louisville, even having an outside chance of getting in the playoff if things fall according to. You know, some upsets happen down the stretch.
1: Yeah, it's probably a long shot. You know, the the loss against Pitt, not only is it a loss to Pitt, but it was a loss by 17. That hurts. Like, that's going to hurt a resume. I think they would need a lot of help. But, again, as much as we're sitting here and we're like, man, all these eight teams look really good, we could see them all lose. That's the beauty of this is that nobody looks invincible. Right. Uh, that They could run the table. So I think you could see multiple losses. Louisville would have the opportunity to have Virginia. and. Eh, Miami is still a brand, but they're not having a great year. Kentucky would be a really nice win against an SEC opponent. And I think they would probably need in each one of those games to win impressively. And if they did and were able to beat Florida State, then yeah, I think they'd be a long shot. But I don't think it's impossible. It's yeah. kind of wild considering Jeff Brom in his first year there with the job he's done would be absolutely insane. You know, you mentioned Arizona. I think there are two teams and this is what I'm really excited about in the 12 team. Playoff when we get there. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know we're not there yet, and we still have to sit right. here and talk about four. But you mentioned Arizona and Oklahoma State, two teams that are totally different for a couple, like, for different reasons. So Arizona started the season with Jaden Delora. He gets hurt. They lose to Mississippi State. It's a bad loss. They make the switch to Noah Fafita, who's phenomenal, awesome. by the way, a freshman. They're, like, figuring it out. They're a team I don't think anybody wants to play. Then you've got Oklahoma State, who was rotating like a, a hockey line shift, playing three quarterbacks for the first few games of the season. It wasn't working. They weren't playing Ollie Gordon. All of a sudden, they stick with a quarterback in Alan Bowman. They get Ollie Gordon going. It kind of captures this momentum and confidence, and I think there's a chance they could actually win the Big 12. I know it's a long shot. I don't know Texas most likely will be that team. They get Quinn Ewers back, but Tech's been very vulnerable Without him, I mean, who knows if his shoulder injury, if he gets hit again, what could happen? I think like those are some teams that I think would be really intriguing in a 12
0: team that nobody would want to play because they'd be coming in with a lot of confidence and momentum. Yeah, I think that's a 100% true. And I I think when we get to the 12, and like I said, I don't like to entertain it too much right now, but I can't help it. It's going to be too awesome. Like, I can't help it. (laughs) Uh, And I don't feel like it waters down the regular season because if you look awful in the first month of the season – a la Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Well, the last two months just become really, really important, and you can fl- flip that switch and then maybe get get to an opportunity where you can play yourself in to a to a spot like that. So, I, I personally, I, I love very much. I love that we're moving in that direction. What do you think of Michigan Penn State this weekend? So, I think this is fascinating. I, I haven't. I don't know your
1: exact thoughts on Michigan. I hate it for our sport. Like, I just hate that there's going to be a blemish
0: on this season for Michigan. Like, either way, because I You're do going think- down the ice, tee you up on a game this weekend and you're going on the signs, the signs stealing. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, you can't no, help yourself. I, no, no, but here's, here's what, here. no, here's what I do think. Like,
1: if they had this advantage, which I do think they did, how much of it were they able to use it? I don't know, but now they don't. Like, they're not going to have it. So I think this game comes down to a couple things. Like, if you're Penn State and you want to win this game, I think it has to be lower scoring. And I think they could contain Michigan's offense. Their defense, Manny Diaz has done a phenomenal job. I was I was in Columbus uh, watching the Ohio State Penn State game. They did a really good job. They held on as long as they could. They had the scoop and score, or the was it a scoop and score? Yeah, it was a scoop and score that got called back because of the holding. That could have totally changed the complexion of that game. If they and that was on the road. If they get one or two of those games, which JJ McCarthy's been really good. He's been really good with the football. You don't see that happening. But if they could, you know, make a play or two on the defensive side of the ball, Drew Aller bounced back really nicely from that one the last two games. He's had seven touchdowns, one interception in kind of like the game against Indiana, he needed to step up and he made some night throws in that game. Then he comes up big with four touchdowns and a blowout against Maryland. He's at home. He's faced some adversity already. So he's kind of He's been in that cauldron now. I give Penn State a chance uh, to pull off the upset here, not only like to keep it close, but I, I give them a chance. I haven't thought about whether I'm going to pick them yet. But I also wonder, too, you know, speaking of all the scandal and stuff, does that impact Michigan? Does it galvanize them and it's us against the world and they come out there with their fours up and their hard jersey? Or is it a distraction because everybody's been asking about it, everybody from their friends, their families telling them about it? Like, I don't know what you're going to get from Michigan. So I I kind of think uh, Penn State has a chance.
0: Uh, I think there's a chance they're going to have to play out of their mind offensively more so than anything else. Yeah. I don't know if they can block them. You know, that's the, that's the question is that if they can't run the football, I think it'd be really tough, really yeah. tough for them to be able to get a win. I do want to ask you about one more before we let you go. Uh, there is a game going on this weekend that I know you'll have close eyes on. Uh, I would imagine you have a story from Miami, Florida State at some yeah. point. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Did so, you ever
0: beat Did you ever beat Miami? I did. So
1: my record in my <laughs> four years, my four years was two and two as hey, both we'll take a starter it. and a backup. <laughs> but you know, what's funny. And this is kind of how the rivalry worked. So my freshman year, Charlie Ward was a starter. We go down to Miami. It's the old orange bowl. And yeah. there was a hit that's like a legendary hit to Mark Vanover was a freshman. He's coming across the middle, gets absolutely rocked. There was just like unbelievable hitting going on and i remember i was 18 i went to a tiny high school you know this like there were 25 guys on our team i was the biggest player and i was like oh my gosh if i have to play in this game i am screwed like I, i was so nervous because it was such a different level of play so we ended up losing that game charlie beat him at home our um our my sophomore year we won the national championship then my junior was my first year starting and we played at the orange bowl and i remember mark rick pulled me aside he was my quarterback coach. And, you know, I'd, I was feeling pretty good, right? Put up some good <laughs> yeah, numbers. five games. Right. You know, I was feeling pretty good. And I think he probably could sense that. And he's like, hey, he goes, this game, it's like, it's going to be a little different. And I was like, I got this. And he's like, no, Freeze. no. No, he's like, he's like, this game He's like, it's going to be different. He's like, there's going to be a lot of media, which there was. He's like, but it's going to be quicker. It's going to be faster. You got to be on top of your game. And I was like, I got this. So I go down there, and the first <laughs> drive, we are driving like just clockwork, like we hit a little screen pass, we dash them with a couple runs, maybe hit like a nice hook over the middle. We're dashing them, get down the red zone. And I, I remember thinking, this ain't so bad. We got this. This is not like a squeeze <laughs> try to squeeze a skinny post like in the red zone between, and gets picked off. and I'm telling you it was a crash from then on. like I threw three oh, no. picks. Warren Sapp sacked me like four. He was in my ear the entire night. Oh. Uh, Ray Lewis. I mean, the whole, like, it was insane the amount of talent they had. But they, I got benched. I got booed. I got home. I had messages on my voicemail saying, you, you should take your scholarship away. So we lost that game. We got to revenge my senior year. But I always appreciated the Miami game. It's more of a respected, I don't know how it was with your rivalries, I think Florida State, Miami, like you hate them the same, you want to beat them, but Miami had done it. Like they were a team that had already won multiple national championships and there was a healthy respect. The Gators, it was more hate. Like they felt more (laughs) like they were cocky for no reason. And so it bothered us. But the Miami one, there was always a tremendous level of respect. And Florida State, I know they're a two touchdown favorite. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, You know, we'll see if Tyler Van Dyke can uh, fix his issues turning the ball over. But uh, Florida State, I think, should be fine if they just keep doing what they're doing. I'm very curious to see what the status of Wilson and Coleman is because if they're out, it that concerns me, but yeah. I'm hoping they'll be back.
0: Well, as it should. I mean, Miami's down a couple of corners, potentially missed left last week's game. So if those guys, they're vulnerable in the back end, I think. So having those receivers would be massive. Let me get a prediction. Florida State, 65, Miami, three. Is, is that what you're going with? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, where no, are we going?
1: I'll go, I'll go. You know, last year it was 45-7, I think. They absolutely worked them down there in Miami. I'll say
0: 34-17. Like it. Be be a good game, man. Looking forward yeah. to it. Buddy, I, I it's so good to catch up with you. I appreciate so much you coming on. I can't wait to continue listening to you, Chip. Uh you, Chip and and, and Tom and and all the work that you guys and Bud, you guys do a great job of Cover Three, man. It's like my go-to on Mondays, listening to it. Uh, as I run the golf, the golf course is closed <laughs> on Mondays, so I run the golf course like six miles. Yeah. And y'all's podcast is like the perfect amount of time for me to get through it. So Love it. <laughs> listen, and no, no, it doesn't take me ninety minutes to run six miles, but I listen to it on one and a half speed. Love uh, it. And I like the quarterback stock. Watch too that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. The day trading. You're trader doing pretty good with that. Like, you trader, are I Danny. know you have some day trading backgrounds. So. <laughs> yes, I do. That was the genesis of it. And my <laughs> wife the other day said, I
1: hate this idea because she remembers how bad a disaster that was. She doesn't want any memories of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel your brother. Well, I appreciate yep. you, man. And I look forward to visiting with you again soon. Look forward to hearing you and Dusty on 84, a uh, SiriusXM84, and obviously listen to the podcast. Look forward to seeing you soon, bud. Keep bringing the heat on that selection show. Don't (laughs) let them off the hook. Don't let the committee off the hook. Get some continuity on there. I'll try, man. I appreciate you. Mmm. You smell that? That's the scent of fresh turf and freshly cracked Dr. Pepper, which can only mean one thing. It's college football season. So block off your Saturdays and swipe a sweet Dr. Pepper from the mini fridge because there's a new season of high kicks, long throws, and Fansville commercial breaks to carry you all the way to the West Coast games. That's right, the fans are back, and this year things are heating up. We're talking about hot takes, more heartbreak, more layers of face paint. Get ready to drink in all the drama this season with the help of the most delicious college football tradition there is, Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, what I love, what I hate. Uh, there's so many things I love about college football. It's almost difficult on a week to week basis to boil it down to one or two things. Um, I love that we are full speed ahead to what should be a ridiculous final three week stretch of the college football season because we always do this every year, and we always play the hypothetical game, right? You you guys do it. I, I sit with my friends around the dinner table or you know at the bar, and when we discuss the hypotheticals. Well, if this team wins this game and this team wins this game and this team loses this game, does this team get in? You guys do it. We all do it, right? The hypotheticals are like my favorite thing. It's so fun to think about those. And we have a lot to consider because I can see a route for Louisville to get in the college football playoff. Uh, I can see a route for Ole Miss to maybe get in as an at-large. I think it's unlikely, but it's certainly plausible if Penn State wins this weekend and then Ohio State beats Michigan. Uh, then, you know, anything's, or if and then Michigan beats Ohio State, I mean, anything's possible where there's just a lot of chaos in college football with the hi- hypotheticals that we always play. So I love that we have so many that exist this year. I also love that we have some standalone rivalry games throughout the sport, just scattered throughout the season. And I know that there at one point was a traditional day for Miami, Florida State, and that's, that's not the case anymore, but I love that it's kind of in a standalone. I know there's plenty of big games this weekend. Uh, we obviously have an incredible matchup between um, Penn State and Michigan. We we have other matchups that are of massive significance. SC is against Oregon. There, there's a bunch of games that matter. Uh, I, I acknowledge that. But I love that when you have a game that's that significant for that state to have it played on a bit of a standalone day. Now, you obviously are going to get Florida State, Florida at the end of the year. But I love that we have this Miami-Florida State game where it's at. I love where Bedlam was. I love where Bama-LSU is. I love where the Red River rivalry is. I love where you have Ohio State and Penn State there in October. I love that Georgia and Florida play at the end of October. I love that we just have kind of those standalones. Rivalry weekend is going to be a remarkable celebration either way. We know that. But I love that we kind of have those few rivalry games scattered throughout the regular season that are also of significance. Uh, What I hate. And, and I really hate this too. Um, and I think most of you guys know this about me and, and we haven't documented it a lot on Always College Football. I don't like the sign stealing saga. That's what we'll call it. the sign stealing saga that is involving Michigan and the Big Ten and the finger pointing that's going on all over the place. I don't like it. Um, I also know too that we are Reaching a point in the college football season, I've always viewed the season as a crescendo. And I didn't play music, but I played saxophone in sixth grade because I had to. Um, I wasn't great. <laughs> but the I remember a few things from music. Uh, and then a crescendo is that when it actually got a little bit louder and it, like the intensity of the note that you're playing got a little bit louder as you held it for a long period of time. And that's what the college football season is it starts out s- small and it gets louder and louder and louder as the season goes on. I've always viewed this season as a crescendo and it feels like right now so much of the noise that we should be talking about on the field and, and that I want us to be focusing on the field it's actually centered around an off-field topic that's not fun to discuss. And I understand it's a necessary evil. It's an important story. And, and I have a ton of respect for the journalists that are covering it the right way. And a ton of people that are that are trying to find out and get the answers to questions that people have. That's a necessary evil in journalism. I get it. Um, I just don't like that it's overshadowing the season in some cases, especially on the national platform. Uh, you, you can turn on you know, run of the mill morning programming. And they're probably talking about the Michigan sign stealing saga. Uh, I'd like them to be talking about the fact that Michigan plays Ohio state in a couple of weeks. The fact that Michigan's playing Penn state this weekend, the fact that we have a bunch of other games and a bunch of other stories of college football players that need to be told. And we're not allowing really those stories to be told because of what we have to cover at the moment. So just, leaves me with a, just kind of a disappointed feeling knowing that what we should be celebrating right now is kind of marred in, in, in and and ridicule and marred and and conspiracy and finger pointing and, and things like that. So it's just not a fun story and, and I hope it gets resolved really quickly. Uh, but I also hope, like we talked about on the show tonight as well, I hope we don't penalize the players. Um, I don't know what the players know. I, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you what it's like to walk through the hallway at, at Michigan and what information you have access to. But I know every time you go on the field, you're trying to win. And I know you're trying to work really hard and practice to win on Saturdays. I know that. Uh, and those guys, they might have a, you know, a stain on their season when they've worked really hard to get to this point. So I hate that as well. So those are what I hate and what I love. But there's a whole lot more that I love than I hate. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. I just want you guys to know, um, and I, I don't look, a lot of you don't know me personally. Um, and and I, I hope I'd love to have a, a live Always College Football show at some point where we all can interact and have some fun. But know that I, I, I'm not going to get agendas in the way of, of my opinion. I, I will never do that ever. I value this job too much. I value the sport too much. I respect the sport too much. And it will never. Ever cloud my judgment when evaluating what I think is best for the sport. Uh, it will never, ever. I'm a Bama guy. All right. I am a Bama guy. I love Alabama. My wife went to Alabama. My, my kids say Roll Tide. To get them to smile at Christmas card pictures the other day, I had them saying Roll Tide. And for whatever reason, when my two-year-old would say Tide, it ended with a smile. So yeah, we love the school. But that will never, ever, ever cloud my judgment. Ever. Uh, if I think that Oregon is the number one, one loss team, I will tell you. And I personally, in my own personal rankings, have them as the top one loss team. But my personal rankings are consistent from start to finish because I value eye test above all else. The committee has told me repeatedly that resume is the most important, and they did it again tonight by having Ohio State on the one line which means if they're valuing Ohio State's resume above all else, and that's why they're one, then Texas should be at worst, at worst, ranked number six because of their resume. I'll finish with that. I love you guys. And it means a lot that you guys come and listen and be a part of the show. Please continue to rate, subscribe, all the things that you do for the podcast, it means a lot. If you could hit that thumbs up on the YouTube page, it'd be amazing as well. And for all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack, Jack, Mark, and Jake, I'm Greg. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey, guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcast.